Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Always respect Mother Nature, especially when she weighs 400 pounds. James Rollins. Well, one of the first nights in the Wind River Range, which is right when you could be in grizzly country, it's not a whole lot, but... I had it in my head, okay, this is, there's potential grizzlies. I, you know, I started carrying bear spray, um, but the mosquitoes were so bad. I camped by myself and I did all the worst things you can do. Like I cooked 10 feet from my tent. I intended to not eat in my tent, but the mosquitoes were so bad. I was like, fuck it. I got in my tent and I ate. And then the one thing I did right was I tied my ursac properly um, to a tree, but it was 10 feet from my tent. And I woke up in the middle of the night to this loud crash and there was a bear trying to get my food. And um, because I, I didn't know if it was a black bear and it could have been a grizzly, I was just, abs I mean, absolutely terrified. And so I just, I sat there for maybe 20 seconds, really thought like, what should I do? I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
All right, let's get to this week's guest, a triple crowner, musician and documentarian. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Ben Phantom. How's it going, Ben? It's going well, brother. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, you're a triple crowner. I assume that you have picked up a trail name along the way. And, you know, your name itself, Ben Phantom, a Phantom, that, that's a pretty good trail name. Did, did they stick you with that or did they give you something else? It is. No. So my trail name is Shredder. Um, I got that on the PCT because I carried a mini guitar, uh, what's known as a Gitalele. Um, Yeah, the Phantom part. So my my birth name is Fawn, P-H-A-N. And Phantom was kind of always my nickname. And when I was starting my career as a musician, people had a really a hard time pronouncing and spelling my name. So somebody was like, why don't you just go by, you know, Phantom? And it made things a lot easier, honestly, because Fawn is like Smith in Vietnam. So there's no, if you search Ben Fawn, you get so much. But as, as far as I know, there's only one Ben Phantom. So, okay. I was going to say Shredder because because of, of that picture behind you. It looks like somebody said somebody's skiing or snowboarding. That's, that's not why, that's not why Shredder came up. It was because of your, your shredding skills on the guitar. Correct. And um, I didn't even know it's also a Ninja Turtles reference, but I actually didn't, wasn't even aware of that. Um, so it's not snowboarding. It's not Ninja Turtles. It's, yes, yeah, the guitar. <laughs> So out there on the trail, you just you just whip out the guitar and go into uh, you know kind of a Bon Jovi, uh, Eddie Van Halen riff on the guitar. Just let it let it fly. Not so much that stuff, but I tend to lay in my tent at night and kind of play myself to sleep and various lunch breaks. And depending on the trail on the CDT, I had to send it home for uh, for a good bit of it because the trail was just too tough. But on the AT and PCT, I played more. Now, normally I don't like to camp next to other people. I don't like setting up my tent near anybody because inevitably they're, they're they're making noise in the in the wrong way. But I would set up my tent next to yours if you're playing the if you're playing the guitar at night. Well, you haven't heard me play, so you might change your <laughs> mind. But <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hey, I've got a special treat for us tonight. It's time for a current event. Every once in a while, we'll break out the current event segment. If something big's going on, if I come across a headline or anything else is going on out there in the, in the outdoor adventure world, and guess what is happening today? Guess what started today, Shredder? I have no idea, man. No idea? Uh, I feel like it's going to be obvious as soon as you tell me, but I don't know. <laughs> well, it's obvious to me just because I am obsessed with this particular endurance event Today was the start of the 2023 Barkley Marathons. Oh, wow. I have seen that documentary on the Barkley Marathons. Yeah, that's intense. The guy smokes a cigarette when it starts, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> One of the most bizarre, uh, shrouded in mystery, mystique, endurance event you'll ever come across. This is, uh, of course, the Barkley Marathons created by Gary Cantrell, also known as Laz Lake. Uh, inspired by the prison escape of James Earl Ray, who the brush was so thick and the train was so difficult that after 60 hours, he'd only managed to go a few miles. And Gary Cantrell at the time said, you know, if I had escaped from prison and you gave me a 60 hour head start, I'd be a hundred miles from here, basically. And that was the, the, the idea for the Barkley marathons. Nice. Yeah. That is one, uh, one adventure I will not be embarking on. <laughs> Yeah, we talk about on this podcast, we talk about type one fun, type two fun. We, we, we've actually theorized that you know the Barkley might be type four fun or beyond. 
Uh, yeah, I would agree with that from my understanding. <laughs> so I've been following the Twitter account of Keith Dunn, who is the official, non-official, unofficial poster of all things Barkley when it's going on. And he's been relaying descriptions. He doesn't even have names of most of the people. He has descriptions of, of people as they're going through the, the different checkpoints uh, when they see them. So Nice. All right. You know how many finishers they've had in 30 years, 30 plus years? I don't, but I think it's a pretty small number. 15, 15 finishers. Wow. <laughs> and I, I've interviewed a few people who have taken part. You know, I've, I've talked to uh, some world-class athletes and that race just destroys people. Yeah. Can imagine. Yeah. All right. So, Shredder, you mind if I change your name on the screen? Otherwise, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you Ben all night. Oh yeah, for sure, no problem. I can. I think I can. Do you know how to change my name? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. There we go. There you go. There, that's a helpful reminder for for the old guy here. <laughs> all right. So, Shredder, have you listened to the podcast before? I have, and I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of each episode. It's called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. And that's where I'll ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even better. Sure. All right. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. I'll think of some, okay. some really deep wisdom. Got to get deep. That's right. I got you. <laughs> Got to get deep. Maybe there's a guitar involved or a ukulele or both. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. The must bring gear review. Hey, Shredder, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day or in your case, a multi-month hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Shredder, what do you have to have with you out there on the trail? So there's a lot of things, but for me, my, probably my number one non-negotiable item is trekking poles. Um, I don't even, if it's a day hike more than like 10 miles, I don't, I don't, I take my trekking poles, you know, even if I don't have a pack, um, especially as I've gotten older, it's just, it takes so much um, pressure off the knees, especially in the downhill. And um, I'm a fan of Six Moon Designs. I haven't used their, uh, a lot, ton of their gear, but I've, I've always wanted to. But I've I used black diamond poles for a long time and um no shade at them. They've they've worked great for me over the years. But on the CDT, I had the tips of them twice um fall, like fall off. Um and so I switched to uh leaky poles in Steamboat Springs and I hadn't had zero problems. It lasted me the second half of the trail. So I, I'm pretty I'm stuck with leaky poles now. Okay. Or leaky, I don't know how you say it, but yeah. How do, how do you spell that? Uh L-E-K-I. Oh, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And I actually unknowingly bought a woman's pair of poles, um, but I'm I'm about five. I think I'm five, eight and they work great for me. And somebody pointed out that I think those are women's poles and they work for me. So I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. What'd you tell the person that pointed out their, their women's poles? I said, hey, it's 2023, man. I can use whatever there you poles go. I want. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Nice. Nice. All right. That's great. Hey, to keep us talking about gears, I love talking about gear, and I'd love to hear about how your gear has evolved from your first uh, long trail to, to the CDT most recently. We're going to do something called the... It's the hiking pole. The hiking pole, and that's P-O-L-L. -L. 
like the survey, not P-O-L-E, like the, like the thing in your hand. This is a seven question survey. It's going to help me give you a score on a scale from one to a hundred. They call us the sanity scale with one being <laughs> completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Now I have to let you know, Shredder, that right off the bat, a triple crowner has an automatic 30 points deducted. So that's your, your, that's highest, your highest possible yeah. score is 70. <laughs> that, that's a fair point, right? I, oh, it's absolutely fair. And you're even being generous to only take 30 points. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. The rest, the rest of the questions, this doesn't matter on some of these, which way you answer, you lose points every time. So nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the host. It's my podcast. It's my survey. So, you know, I get, okay. I get to make the rules. That's right. All right. In fact, you already answered the first question unwittingly. You just, okay. you, you, you self-confessed already. First question was trekking poles or no trekking poles. And you, you answered that very succinctly, even to the, to the, you know, the brand and the gender of uh, yeah. the poles that you prefer. And I'll tell you, even when I started on the AT, um, I'll, I'll let you know more about how I started with the gear since you asked that, but I, I used two sticks and I made trekking poles that I used when I first started before I could actually afford the nice ones. So, <laughs> yeah. Some homemade sticks. I exactly. love it. I love yeah. it. See, listeners, don't ever let the expensive gear be an no. impediment to getting out there. I mean, if, if you can't afford trekking poles, just make your own like Shredder. Totally. Bamboo works really well if you don't want the heavier weight, but I don't think, I don't even know what I used back in the day when I was 20. So it didn't matter then. <laughs> All right. Question number two, what's on your feet, boots or trail runners? Uh, trail runners. I use Topos um, and they're actually a really great company. They they didn't sponsor me, but I had, um, but I, I asked them to sponsor me and they had already filled up their quota, but they responded and were super, super nice. And I had an issue with one pair and uh, they hooked me up and took care of me. So I can definitely recommend not only the Topo shoes, but them as a company for sure. Nice. Nice. Have you tried others out there? Yeah, I've used, um, I started out in boots um, when I hiked the AT, and then I've worn ultras. Um, ultras are too wide for me. I like the topos because they have a wide toe box, but the the, the midfoot and the heel is much snugger um, because I don't actually have a, a wide foot. I just like wide room for my toes. So topos, as far as I know, they're really the only shoe that, that, I, that I consider a good fit for me, so... Interesting. So did you fall into the trap of, of being a new hiker and thinking, okay, I've, I've got to wear hiking boots because that's what hikers wear. Yeah, definitely. And um, also, you know, I hiked the AT when I was um, 20, you know, my early twenties and um, also money was a factor then. So one pair, I think I got, you know, I got a pair of, oh, I don't even remember what they were, um, but they were hiking boots and, you know, they were on sale and, and they, they lasted me like 2000 miles, you know, and you can't, I pushed, I pushed, um, some trail runners close to seven over, so just over 700 and, and that's too far, but yeah, the boots will, will definitely save you money. <laughs> right. And, and any, uh, problems with your feet with the boots or you did all right in them? Man, at that point, like I could have just abused my body and I wouldn't even notice when I was in my early twenties, it didn't matter. So no, but now I can't wear boots and hiking. So funny how we get older and we need we need a little more uh of the creature comforts to get us oh through. man it's so true it's so true <laughs> all right hey when it comes to your shelter out there question number three are you a mm -hmm. tent guy tarp hammock bivy or cowboy camping uh so i use it's kind of like a trekking pole tent design 
And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Durston's uh, gear, the X-Mid. Um, yeah, so I met Dan in 2014. We hiked around each other in Washington. Um, he and his wife, their training names were Lorax and T-Fox, and they're just awesome people. And when I was researching my CDT gear, I came across um, their company and I was like, wait, I know that guy. And I sent him an email and um, we've been in touch since. And I got one of the second generation um, polyester X-Mids, um, not the top of the line um, ultralight ones. I mean, it's still under two pounds, but it's not like one pound like the $700 one is. And and it's been it's been absolutely amazing. I love that shelter. Um, and I, yeah, I don't see myself switching. I, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Dan Durston fanboy for life now. <laughs> nice. I, I get his, I get his emails. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, news on his gear. Nice. Yeah. Now, what was your, your base weight when you did the AT? Honestly, I have no idea. When, when I did the AT, <laughs> I had a pack that I had, um, was given to me by a guy I worked with and he was like, six feet tall like 200 pounds the waist the hip belt didn't even fit me so it was just all the way it was on my shoulders and I had my mom's sleeping bag like from the 80s which took up my whole pack I eventually got rid of that and got a lighter sleeping bag but I was not I I would not recommend my AT kit to anyone let's just put it like that <laughs> um and on the PCT I think my base weight was probably around 17 pounds including the guitar so you know not very light at all um I was 26 i turned 27 on the pct so but i was it i was still very much like felt like i could handle anything and to be honest with you the pct wasn't that hard for me but when i hiked the cdt last year i turned 35 on the cdt that was a very different story and i knew that going into it so i started out with a 12 pound base weight including the guitar um, the guitar weighs about a pound and a half and then the interesting thing is I actually added weight. So I think I added about two pounds. Um, and of course, in Colorado, when you're carrying, you know, ice axe and micro spikes and snow gear and stuff, but I added weight on the CDT and I, I probably finished with maybe a 14 pound base weight, something wow. like that. Yeah. Okay. Cause it the was fucking cold. Man. I have no idea. <laughs> probably, probably 30 plus pounds on the AT down to probably not, probably not quite that. I'd start, probably say probably like 20, maybe. Yeah. 20. <laughs> I wouldn't say 30 base weight, but I would say over 20 for sure. (laughs) Okay. All right. Very nice evolution. Okay. What question are we on? Question number four. Um, Actually, I don't know how you can answer this one. Uh, Question number four, when it comes to your sleep system, sleeping bag or quilt? Definitely sleeping bag. Um, I get cold and um, CDT is cold, man. Oh my God. I got caught in a snowstorm in Montana and uh, it was so cold that this, this guy, he was actually a Canadian guy, peed on his toes to try and keep him warm. Uh, it was one of the coldest nights of my life. And uh, yeah, sleeping bag, full zip up, liner, sleeping bag, liner, all that in the cold for sure. Peeing on your toes. It's not just for jellyfish stings. That's right. I didn't do it, but he did. So, Did he say that it worked? He said it worked until, you know, it, it cooled off and then it was just cold and wet. So Now his <laughs> toes were frozen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, when it comes to your food, do you have a stove? Do you cold soak or do you go stoveless? So I, I kind of have done a combination of things over the years. Um, I cold soaked exclusively in the desert on the CDT and um, that was fine. And then I got um, a one ounce 
I forget what they're called. I think they're called the BTS or BTR. They're like a $17 Amazon stove. They're a lot of the ultralight guys use them. They work great. Um, and so I would cold soak my oatmeal overnight and sometimes for lunch. And then I would cook a hot dinner. Okay. Yeah. Cold soak. That's a, you know, major point deduction, even if you just yeah. do it all the time. So yeah, I, I apologize for your, your upcoming score here. That's okay, man. I, I deserve it. People. <laughs> yeah. I, and like I said, I stopped, I got the stove cause I realized like I can't cold soak for five months. This is a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that committed. No. Okay. Question number six is life better above or below the tree line. Man, it really just depends on the weather, but I've, I've always been the kind of guy to camp on a viewpoint or a peak if I can. And I learned, uh, especially on the CDT, it's not always the best decision. I got caught in kind of like a sandstorm, um, on this, on this ridge where I was, uh, cowboy camping alone in New Mexico. And uh, the CDT made me made me a little more discerning, but I, I would say above tree line for sure. Yeah. Nice. And our last question in the hiking pool, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Oh, man. I think luxury items. But I don't, I don't think that I'm going to, I don't think that I view luxury items as a luxury, if that makes sense. Like the way that I see it is like, whether you're going out for two weeks or for five months, if there's something that you can take, that's going to make that time better, more enjoyable, going to make, give you comfort when it's really tough. Then to me, it's, it's almost a necessity. Like for example, my guitar, you know, yes, it's, it's a luxury item, but I don't, my mental health isn't great if I go five months without playing my music, you know what I mean? So it's not really a luxury item. And the same could be said, you know, for somebody, a camera or, you know, a journal or their art, whatever it is, you know, so I'll stay with luxury item, but I, I think I approach it a little bit differently. Okay. Any other luxury items besides the guitar? If we look into your pack, what will we find? I think that's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> So if yeah. I want to bring my oils and my easel to keep me sane, that's that's uh, quite all right then. I think you can make a little kit, you know, a little <laughs> little six inch wooden kit, set it up. Yeah, if that's if that's going to keep you out there for five months, then hell yeah. <laughs> now Shredder, I need you to bear with me as I do some math here. We need to take your answers, we need to put them through the John Freaky Mirpot algorithm, and okay. see what what score it spits out at us here. So let me. Sounds good. I got to carry the two. We're going to divide by root three. It's complex. You got to divide multiply by pi, and oh, then yeah, you got to do it. Today, today is pi day, right? As we are, uh, as we're. Recording. It is. <laughs> and then I'm gonna I'm gonna make a slight adjustment to your score according to the uh, taking into, into account the wind speed of a sandstorm on the PCT. Definitely. And I come up with a a score of 37. <laughs> I'll accept it. I'll accept it. 37. Is that it? Friends and family, they, they confirm that uh, score or they say it was too high or too low? They'd probably say it's about spot on. Okay. All right. <laughs> See, it works. Yeah. I don't know what it is. The system works. Yeah. It's a good algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> Spent a lot of time developing that algorithm. I can tell, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, Shredder, let's back up a little bit. We'd love to hear about your background, where you grew up, 
What kinds of sports and hobbies were you involved in as a kid? And how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Sure. So I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia, suburb of DC, Washington DC area. Um, my, my dad is from Vietnam and growing up there, you know, before at the end of the war, the jungle and the, and the wilderness was not a safe place. So we didn't really grow up doing a whole lot of camping. We went to, we rented a couple cabins sometimes, you know, with running water. That's what we did. Um, but my mom did have more of a, a background in that. So she sent me on an outward bound, um, an outward bound, um, when I was 18 and we did three, three weeks in the Rockies, the San Juans, which was actually really cool to get to go back there as an adult and as a through hiker, because that's where it really started for me. Um, of course, you know, with a guy at that age and, and, um, and yeah, and then I really, I said, when I hiked the AT, it really wasn't on my radar, but I was living in Richmond, Virginia, and I was kind of going through some depression and, and, you know, not, not really doing too great. And uh, one of my friends, she, she had a house in Damascus and she said, why don't you come with me, get you out of the city for a little bit and you can hike on the trail. And, and that's when I, I borrowed some gear and I just expected to go for, you know, a week or two. And I ended up, you know, spending the rest of the summer and hiked all the way to Massachusetts you know, from, uh, from Virginia. So that, that's kind of how through hiking started for me. Wow. Now for our, our listeners who may not be familiar, what is outward bound? Yeah. So it's a, I guess as you call it an outdoor recreation program and they have all kinds of programs for adults, um, some more recreational, some geared more towards, you know, um, younger people or just people with mental health issues who are struggling. And, um, so what they did was they took me, and it was a group of us, maybe 10 of us and with two guides. And we did, you know, we learned wilderness skills and we climbed a couple 14ers and they taught me how to, you know, camp and cook and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, definitely recommend Outward Bound. It's a great program. Kind of set up your foundation for your your outdoor skills. Exactly. Confidence building, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it turns out that... uh I shouldn't say it turns out a lot of people on the trail seem to be working on something occasionally working on themselves. You know, when you're out there, you are, you're dealing with stuff. You're, you're in your head uh, for most of the time. And, you know, there, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks who, you know, suffered from, you know, PTSD, their vet, their vets, they're coming back and they're figuring things out on the trail or they're going through major life uh, events and are trying to process that out on the trail there's something about the trail that is transformative, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's, it's not only it's about the trail, but it's something in a person that makes them want to do something like that, that, that tells you where they're coming from mentally, I think too. Yeah. What, what does that say about a person that is willing to walk 2,500 plus miles? I think, well, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience and the the many, many people I've met, you know, on the different trails and, and different parts. But I think there's definitely, there's definitely a seeking, you know, a searching for a greater sense of meaning and a greater sense of purpose. And, you know, there's um, a willingness to experience intensity that you don't necessarily find all, all the time with everyone. And I think, I think most through hikers, you know, certainly have, um, some sort of colorful past or deal with some sort of, 
maybe mental health or trauma or, and, or, or just working to overcome something and really want to push themselves. And, and it can come from a variety of things, but, you know, I think, I think we're definitely, definitely seeking something. Yeah. And I liked your comment about the intensity because there's a lot of intensity on the trail. And I think it's both ways, right? There's, there's intense moments of just beauty and satisfaction and fulfillment and there's also very intense moments of pain and suffering and suckiness that you know you, you just have to get comfortable doing that definitely definitely and you know to be honest i think there's also there's also ego involved you know because i know for me you know there was there was a, a period of time maybe you know 3 weeks um on the trail where i really was not having fun and i wanted to go home and if I wasn't out there, you know, accomplishing my triple crown through hiking the CDT, I, I did a fundraiser for a nonprofit, you know, and I had a lot, you know, I had some people aware of what I was doing, you know, if it hadn't been for that ego, I might not have continued. So I, I think I'd be lying. And I, I think most people would be lying, you know, there, there's some ego in, in wanting to accomplish something too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Once, once you publish something, once you, once you put it out into the universe, Exactly. That's added pressure on your shoulders because people are are watching. They know what you're doing out there and they're expecting you to to do it. Totally. And that's why uh, in, in the latter portion of the the podcast here, we're going to get you to commit to something else. Publish it, you know, your next big adventure. So now there's there's uh, okay. impetus for you to, to follow through. Okay. On. All right. Respect. Okay. <laughs> I like nice. that. <laughs> now, Shredder, what do you do to pay the bills these days to, to finance your adventures? So I've been a professional musician since 2014, actually since 2015. I hiked the PCT in 2014 and on the PCT, I started writing songs and decided that I wanted to become a professional musician and I got off the trail and then I worked towards that goal and I've been doing music exclusively since then. Although the last three, four years, I've gotten more into video and now I actually do videography and documentary filmmaking as well. So a combination of those two things now. Congratulations. I mean, being able to, you know, subsist and on something that you love doing is uh, got to be just awesome. Thanks, man. It is. But the reality is, is when, whenever you take something that you love and you monetize it, you don't, there's things that you have to do in ways that you have to do it that you don't always love. And that's just the reality of it, <laughs> you know? So I do love a lot of what I do. And I also sometimes, you know, play a gig that I'd rather, you know, I'm not as passionate about. <laughs> Got it. But I think in the grand scheme of things, in comparison to others, you probably love a lot more of what you do than, than the rest of us. It, it Maybe, I don't know, but uh, I'm certainly blessed and I'm, I'm certainly not complaining. I've been very, very fortunate and, um, yeah, I've, I've worked hard and I've also had a lot of resources and, and um, one thing I've always done, and, and this is the same with hiking, you know, it's when I was each trail that I would hike, I would, you know, tap all my resources. Who do I know who's hiked that trail, you know, and it's the same with when I decided I wanted to be a professional musician. I just, I got with all the guys that I respected in town and, and, you know, they were, some of them took me under their wing and, you know, told me where I needed to grow. And, and so I think, I think that's how we get where we want to be is we get that feedback from people who are, who are crushing the game already, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's tough to do things in a silo. I mean, you have to reach out and network and connect and learn from others' mistakes. If you were only learning from your own mistakes, that, that's tough enough. You can, you can grow exponentially if you are, learning from others mistakes as well. 
Absolutely. Sorry for the jacket noise here. <laughs> you getting warm in that that winter yeah. wonderland that you're uh, you're in right now? It's getting toasty in here. Asking these yeah, deep I'm questions. Turn, I'm turning up the heat. Watch out. <laughs> Yeah, I think we should also share with our listeners, you know, how you and I got paired up here because I saw you in an advanced copy of uh, Tesla's latest documentary, Why Do I Hike 2, The Hardships of a Thru-Hike. And Nick, Nikola Horvat goes, uh, is, is his name, he goes by Tesla. He hiked the PCT, he went back and created the Croatian Long Trail, and then he came back and was was uh, hiking the CDT where you guys, I'm I'm in assuming you guys met on the CDT. Absolutely. And I, I just, I love this guy so much. He's like my brother. He was my brother instantly when we met. Um, so I met him in the Gila river and I just hear this like metal music coming. And I see this guy walking up with this big pack and his pack was so big. I'm like, there's no way this guy's a through hiker. Like what the hell is he doing out here? He's blasting music. And we talked and then you know, we introduced each other and I realized like, oh, I know who this guy is. Like I've seen some of his YouTube videos and, and, um, somebody I look up to. And so, yeah, we just instantly became friends and, and, um, we hiked around each other a lot of New Mexico in the beginning. We lost each other right in the beginning of Colorado. Um, but we've continued to stay in touch and he's somebody I have immense respect for and I uh, just really enjoy hanging out with and He's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious guy. Yeah. He's now been on the podcast twice. He's he is hilarious. Nice. He's he's yeah. a lot of fun, a great yeah. guy. And uh if I if I ever get to Croatia, I'm looking him up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I plan on going there at some point for sure. Yeah, some good good hiking trails out there. Yeah, thanks to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Now, how did it how did how did it come to be that your your music actually ended up in his document documentary? Yeah. So when he did an interview with me in the Gila, um, I think he just asked me to play a song and I did. And then he had the idea to use that song for the credits. And originally he was going to play drums and they were going to add to it. But um, I guess I think he had too much going on. That didn't quite happen. So, yeah, he asked me to just record a a, a studio version. And um, yeah, I was happy to happy to contribute that for the for this movie. Yeah, really enjoyed it. That was great work. Great work. Definitely. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear from the sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to get to uh, Shredder's Triple Crown hikes, as well as maybe some other adventures. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. 
with the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it. Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And we're back talking to Shredder and let's get to uh, your, your triple crown hikes. And you've got some, you've got some nice distance between them time-wise and you hiked the AT in 2008, the PCT in 2014 and the CDT just this last year, 2022. Now, a lot has transpired in the world since 2008. Fair, fair to say? Absolutely. In terms of the resources that were available to you leading up to your 2008 AT hike, how did you prepare? How did you plan? What what kinds of resources were you accessing? When I hiked the AT in 2008? Yes. Yeah. Uh, not much, man. Um, I really just borrowed some gear and, and got a guidebook and just started hiking, <laughs> to be honest with you. I kind of figured it out as I went. I didn't do any research. I just learned as I as I went and... Um, yeah, shed a lot of gear along the way, and and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Now, growing up in Virginia, does the AT loom large in just the the cultural heritage of, of that region? I mean, do, do you just grow up knowing that it's there and understanding what it is, or do you remember having a an epiphany of, oh my gosh, there's this trail that goes for twenty two hundred miles? Definitely the epiphany, because where I grew up was basically D.C. It was a suburb of D.C., so it was not, there were not a lot of people doing anything like that, or, you know, it was more kind of sports and military stuff. There was not a lot of, like, wilderness activities going on. And so do you remember the, the moment you, you realized that there was this thing that went 2,200 miles and you could walk it? Yeah, honestly, it was when I was there because, you know, like I was telling you earlier, I was in Richmond and my friends just said, you need to get out of the city, like come with me. And I said, okay. And I borrowed some gear and we went and then I said, oh, wow, this is amazing. That That's really what it was. I didn't know it was there until I was actually there, <laughs> you know, 
And then I got hooked from then. So a lot of people set out to do 2,200 miles and they realize, oh my God, this sucks. And they, they don't do 2,200 miles. They do far less than that. You went out expecting to do, you know, a, a shorter hike and ended up doing a lot, lot more. What, how, how did that happen? Yeah. So I just had planned to, you know, get out of the city and clear my head and spend a little time. And and I remember she dropped me off at Watauga Lake, Tennessee, which is just over the border, Virginia and Tennessee. And I hiked back up to Damascus, Virginia, which is a big AT, AT trail town. And then I just felt so good. I thought, you know, let's see how far I can go. And I, I, I got some new gear at trail days and I just kept going. And then I, I, I hiked through um, I, I guess I hiked all of Virginia, which is about 500 miles, and then just kind of trucked through, you know, Maryland and West Virginia, Pennsylvania, which is short. And then I just kept going and I ended up all the way in Massachusetts. And then it was time to head back and, and finish the fall semester in school. So. <laughs> and did you ever did you ever go back and clean up the the southern piece of that and the northern piece? I sure did. So the next year, in 2009, I went from Damascus all the way down to Springer. Um, and I actually went with my younger brother and my girlfriend at the time. So we we had a nice little group there. And then the following year, 2010, I went up to Massachusetts and finished and finished at Katahdin. So nice. I pieced it together. Yeah. Nice. Now, oftentimes we get out there expecting one thing or thinking we know, you know, what we're going to encounter. And it turns out to be totally unlike anything we we had we had predicted. Did you have any kind of sense of that or did it go exactly as you, as you thought it might? On the AT? On the AT. Well, you know, I didn't, like I, like we were saying, I didn't really have any expectations because I really wasn't aware and it existed until I was dropped off there by a, by my friend, Megan, who I am forever grateful for. Um, she, you know, I think we all have, some of us have that person who really introduces us into the culture. And, and she just said, you're coming with me. You need to get out of the city. I'm dropping you off here. Grab some, get a, get a backpack and some gear. And um, so I didn't have any expectations. And and when I was experiencing, you know, the through hiking culture and the trail, it just made sense to me, you know, and I felt like I was comfortable in my environment in a way that I really hadn't felt my entire life growing up. I felt like this makes sense to me. You know, I can walk, I can live in the basics and I can meet people and um, it just felt right. You know, Shredder, I hate to break this to you. Mm -hmm. I think Megan may have been tired of, of what, what of you and just, she dropped you. You're saying she dropped you off in the woods. You didn't even have any gear. She, she dropped you off in the woods and said, Hey, Hey buddy, Start walking, get some gear. I'll pick you up 500 miles that way or however far, however far that was. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that's a friend. You you know, I have to revisit this, but I, you might be right. Um, I will say, though, I did have gear at that point and she wasn't somebody I was dating. She was just a friend. So I'll, we didn't live together. I wasn't up in her business a lot, but I think she recognized she's like, this kid needs to get out of the city and he needs this. <laughs> and she was probably sick of me a little, like you said. Yeah. What this kid needs is to be dropped off in the woods away from me. Yeah, I think totally. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm glad she did it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, you said you felt really at home, very comfortable, unlike you've ever felt before. What is it about trail culture or, or uh, other through hikers out there that, that kind of contributed to that? Yeah. Well, at that point, 
you know, it was just this feeling of, you know, we're all kind of gross and dirty and raw and that's okay. It's not only okay, but it's expected, you know, no one expects anybody to be looking good or, you know, putting on any fronts. And um, yeah, I really, really just, just like that, you know, and um, yeah. Any hiker trash moments, any hiker trash you real, where you realized, Oh my God, I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. You know, I have, I have a lot of identities and a lot of communities I'm a part of at this point in my life. And so for me, I, I'm, I'll always be hiker trash, you know, through and through. I'm absolutely comfortable on, on any trail and any around any campfire for sure. But I also wear a lot of hats, you know, as a, as a musician and as a filmmaker and, you know, as a family member and, and on these other areas of my life too. So I think that, um, for me at this point now, I think being hiker trash is, is one of many communities that I'm a part of. So yeah, I'll, I'll, it's always, it's always going to be there when I want to tap into it, you know? Nice. One of my favorite memories, uh, having a conversation like this is with, when I was talking to Chris Carter and his buddy and they were doing the PCT and they were suffering from an injury of some sort and they were under a bridge, uh, maybe the first 500 miles or under a bridge somewhere. They had to just kind of rest up for a couple of days and they're living under a bridge. And I think after the first day, a homeless guy shows up and they were, they were kind of like, Oh my gosh, how's this going to go? And I said, guys, he was probably wondering the same thing. I mean, I'm not sure you guys looked all that different. Totally, totally. (laughs) And that's, that's interesting. You brought that up because I actually did a documentary on homelessness here in Asheville um, last year and yeah, I I see myself in a lot of, you know, their stories and and I think a lot of hiker trash and through hikers, you know, who come from different backgrounds, but ultimately we're, you know, we're living unhoused for for a period of time. <laughs> you know, living it is unhoused. my choice, but yes. yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a poetic way to put it. Yeah, let's talk about that documentary. Well, since you brought it up, I was gonna talk about it later, but let's talk about it now. Yeah. Um, I, I saw your music video that you did with uh your was it your father going back to Saigon? Yeah, yeah. Very powerful. Cool. That was very Thanks, powerful. Thank I you. I really liked it. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was a powerful experience. Yeah. And so you went from from the music video then to now uh this documentary called Homeless a Human Story. Mhm. And tell us about that. Yeah, so it's a big part of what I'm actually doing doing these days. Uh, I'm working with my best friend and his company and what they do is they support our local community and work with different nonprofits and, and help elevate, you know, people's stories. And so I get to be the, the, you know, the resident videographer. And so we're, we're getting to, you know, tell a lot of really interesting stories and, you know, basically, you know, kind of like what you're doing here. I think when we are open-minded and we hear where people are coming from and especially people who, you know, are a little bit outside of society and they may be judged, you know, if you don't have a home, a home to live in, you're judged in a certain way. If you struggle with addiction, you may be judged in a certain way. If your skin is a certain color, if you want to live for five months and hike a trail, you know, not quite the same, but, you know, so I think by telling these stories, we, we create an opportunity to see people and to, to see ourselves in those people and to bridge some of those gaps. And so, you know, I don't see myself as someone who's out here, 
you know, going to change the world and change the whole political system and, you know, do all that. But in my own way, as a storyteller, I want to tell stories that matter and to give give people an opportunity opportunity to tell their stories who might not have that opportunity. And so, yeah, a lot of my work over the past couple of years has been moving in that direction. And, and um, you know, I still play my own music and my own songs are, are more about myself and my own story. Um, but I, I'm not really growing that area so much. I'm more focused on, you know, using the camera to help other people tell their stories. And that's been really powerful for me. There are a lot of media options in our world today. There's, there's there a lot of media that you could, you could possibly consume. I think that the best types of media are the ones that focus on the human stories, the human interest stories. And though this is a podcast about outdoor adventure and it's many shapes and varieties at its heart, I believe it's, it's about the people behind those stories and the, the people behind those adventures and, and where they came from and how they got there and, and what they've learned. And I, I, so I think your, your storytelling about, you know, shining a light on, on this aspect of our society. I think, I think it's awesome. That's great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I get that sense come talking to you that, you know, you're all about the story as well. So, you know, thanks for doing what you're doing as well. Yeah. Without revealing anything you can't, uh, without uh, violating anybody's confidence, what, what <laughs> kinds of stories have you run into in this process of of making this documentary? Yeah. So, you know, just a lot of, you know, really a lot of, of you know, trauma and a lot of, um, you know, abuse and a lot of, you know, it's it's easy when you see someone making a poor decision to judge them for that. And the reality is, you know, we def we definitely need accountability in all areas of society. But if if we look a little deeper, you know, usually behind a bad decision is years and years of abuse and trauma. And, you know, for example, in the documentary, um, this incredible blues musician, you know, he grew up in a home without running water, you know, in the country and, and just has been poor his whole life and, you know, just did not have the same opportunities that I've had. And, um, you know, I think, you know, getting a chance to share some of that, it lets you, it lets you have more compassion and more empathy for where people are at. And, and, um, I think, I think it's important. Fantastic. Where can we find this documentary? Is it out for consumption yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's on, um, it's on my website. It's on YouTube. And, um, on my website, there's a couple more, more recent projects, um, that we've done. There's a project called hope for the future, which is an incredible nonprofit called Umoja. And there, this, this man, Michael Hayes is basically, he just runs all over town, like working with the youth and he, the work that he's doing is, is, is keeping so many kids like out of jail and out of prison and off the streets and and away from the drug game and in our local community. And, and he's somebody I really, really respect. And so we just recently did a project with him and yeah, it's all on my website and YouTube and stuff. So Now out on the trail, we call someone like that, a trail angel. What do, what do you call him? How do we characterize him in, in town life? I would call, I would call him a, I would call him a trail angel, man. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I like that. I never thought of, thought of making that connection, but definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the trail here because I want to go back to uh, uh, something you said a little bit earlier. You said that the PCT was easy. No problems for you. Yeah. To be honest, it, it kind of was. I mean, you know, I had a couple tough days and, you know, it wasn't like a walk in the park, but I didn't, I didn't struggle on the PCT. I never thought about quitting. I never thought I want to go home. 
um, same with the AT. I was just young and um, yeah, it, it really, I had a blast and, you know, there was certainly hard hiking, but I never thought about going home on the PCT. <laughs> did you happen to stay over at uh, Scout and Frodo's the night before? I did not because I have some good friends in San Diego, so I stayed okay. with them. But yeah, got it. I've heard good things. Now the AT and the PCT. AT, you're going through a lot of different states. The mm -hmm. PCT, it seems like you're in California forever. Yeah. Was that like was that frustrating, or was that something you had to, to wrap your mind around? Not really, man. <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was. I had a great time on the PCT. You know, I, I, um, we did the, uh, what's it called? The Hat Creek Rim, um, which is a 30 mile, at least it was back then a 30 mile stretch with no water. And so I night hiked that with a good friend of mine <clears throat> and, um, we ended up, oh gosh, this sounds like I'm trying to brag. I didn't, I didn't start the story trying to brag about miles, but here we are. Anyway, we we did the 30 miles, got to the water, and then just kept going and did like, I think it was like 64 miles. Um, and that hurt, you know, for sure. But it at that age, it took me like a day to recover and I was good to go, like somehow, you know. So I had some I had some wild times and I felt I felt pretty invincible on the PCT, you know. That all changed with the Continental Divide Trail. <laughs> I'm starting to think that if you, if you just carry a guitar or a ukulele with your combo of those two, that you know, life is just better on the trail. Is it just you know, you just fly through effortless effortlessly. I think it helps. Yeah, maybe not effortlessly, but it, it's it's very comforting at the end of the day, for sure. You said that word so much better than I did. Showing off. <laughs> <laughs> now, the PCT has uh, some very different personalities, depending on, on which part of the trail you're on. You know, very different um, ecological zones, let's say. So you start off with, you know, 700 miles of of desert right thereabouts and then you then you enter the sierras and then after the sierras you're in northern california which is a little bit different and then oregon and washington are also uh a bit different did you enjoy one of those areas more than the others i think i like the sierras you know the best um but i really I really liked um, the Goat Rocks Wilderness in Washington, and I like the the, volca the volcanic stuff, the, the lava rocks in Oregon, and um, yeah, it rained. I got I had like three or four days of constant rain towards the end, and that wasn't the most fun, but I like the diversity for sure. Now, are you a stats guy? Statistics? Um, probably not so much, I think. Okay. Do you know your, your start date and your end date for the PCT? I do. I started April 16th and I finished September 7th, I think. <laughs> okay. I know that it was just under five months. It was like, okay. yeah, it was a week under five months, roughly. That's a pretty PCT. good clip. That's that's good speed. Was your high mileage day that, that night hike? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. never did anything more than that in my life and I, I never will, you know. Um, but yeah, I did I was doing, you know, 25s, 30s and then towards in Washington I slowed down and I was doing 20s and and um I was tired and I was also just enjoying it a little more, you know. Okay. And favorite campsite in the Sierras? 
oh man i don't know if i should say it on the on the podcast because it is kind of a secret but there is a uh, a local a locally kept secret hot springs in the sierras that's a special place you probably know it. you live out there i guess right i'm i'm, pre- I'm pretty close yeah 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 so you probably know what it is <laughs> that's that's probably one of my favorite spots on it's definitely one of my favorite spots on earth for sure and what's cool is i went there uh, my cousin did a section of the PC here. He threw like the PCT in 2011 and I, I hiked like, I actually hiked like 800 miles with him that year. Um, and that was a really, really heavy snow year. And so I saw those hot springs for the first time then. And then when I hiked the PCT four years later, I went and the most, the beautiful thing was it looked exactly the same, like totally untouched. And that was so, so special. Yeah. 2000, 2017, very high snow year. I did the, the JMT with my son that year nice. and there were some pretty, pretty gnarly water crossings for us. Um, just saw a headline the other day that the Southern Sierra has the highest snowpack in recorded history since they've oh, been, wow. been keeping this that year? data. What, yeah, this year, what, what oh, does wow. that bode for this year's crew of uh, PCT hikers? It's tough. It, it means some will probably, you know, uh, skip skip around or do some kind of flip flopping. Um, you know, others might. There's always those one or two that just go full steam ahead, and you know, sometimes they get in an accident in the snow. And um, but I know I haven't kept up with the news around it too much, but I know the fires have been a big issue. You know, so it's the PCT is a lot a lot harder than it used to be with the, with all the fires. So I don't really know what's going on out there. Yeah. Snowpack is 300% uh, that of normal. Uh, If if you were hiking the PCT this year, how would, how would that impact your trip? Any advice for, for folks out there? If I was hiking the PCT, I would either start late or what I would probably do is I would start normally. And then I would just plan on taking some time off before the Sierras or I would jump past the Sierras, although I wouldn't do that. I, I really don't like jumping around. I try to keep, um, not because I think it's it's any better or superior to other ways. I just, for me, I like walking a straight line. Um, it's just the way, so that's I, just the way your mind works. It, it kind of is, yeah. yeah. So I would probably either start a little later or I would just plan to wait a little bit, you know? Okay. Yeah. So you love the AT, PCT was no problem. Let's talk about the CDT because I have a feeling that uh, that's not not the same. Yeah, it's totally different. It's not only a totally different trail, but I was in a totally different uh, place in my life. You know, um, on the PCT, I think I was I was working at a coffee shop and I was you know in working at a grocery store part time as well. And by the time I hiked the CDT, I had a career. You know, I owned a house. I had in a long term relationship. And I just had much more of an adult life, you know, and so that made it much more difficult, um, you know, trying to maintain things back at home and then also being in my mid thirties and just the brutality of the CDT is, I knew I expected it to be much harder than anything I'd ever done. Um, but it was even harder than that. (laughs) I don't regret doing it. I grew a lot and I love you know, there were certain sections that I absolutely loved. And, and overall, I love the experience, but I wouldn't through hike that trail again. No way. <laughs> I've heard from some folks that if they had done the CDT first, if that was their first of the three, that they would not have done the other two. It was just that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, I can, 
I can definitely see where they're coming from. <laughs> what was the most challenging portion or portions of the CDT? What what was the biggest impact on you? Yeah. So right at the beginning, the first hundred miles was just, you know, on the on the PCT, we, we call it a desert, you know, but the reality is is there's running water, you know, like there are some water caches, you know, but like there's consistent running water on the Pacific Crest Trail in the desert. And on the CDT, I didn't, you know, somebody feel free to correct me if, if, if I'm wrong, but I don't remember hitting any running water for the first, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred miles. It was a while before I saw like running water. <laughs> it was all just like these cow, you know, like the stuff, cow troughs and like, I guess, I don't know if they're wells or I think that usually they're like pipe fed from some other source and they're for, to feed the cattle. And like, you know, I either drank from that or water caches um, and, and, and just the amount of like sharpness and spikiness to everything. <laughs> like I had a, uh, like a spike, like a two inch cactus spike, like come through my shoe. And um, I, I, I used to carry like my water bladder, like, like if I needed to camel up and load water for the night, I would strap it to my pack and I had a cactus puncture that. <laughs> and so I stopped keeping that in the outside of my pack. And the, also my, my legs sunburned, which had never happened to me in my entire life. Um, I typically handle sun pretty well. Like, you know, my dad's from Vietnam, like we talked about earlier, <laughs> like I don't use a lot of sunscreen. I typically just wear a hat and I've never had any problems with my legs sunburning, but my legs were sunburned so bad on the CDT. <laughs> <laughs> the sun was just relentless out there. Oh huh? man. And it's funny because um at, at one of the first water caches, there's a trail angel named Radar who stalked him. And I was talking to him and I just remember him going, Yep, this ain't the PCT. And it just it landed home so hard to me. Like, wow, this is a different, different level. <laughs> Yeah, Tesla certainly picked the right trail to create his documentary, uh, the th the hardships of a through hike. Yeah, and he also carried 11 pounds of camera gear, you know, which is more than a lot of people's base weight. So he basically carried two packs. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now, when he and I were talking uh, during his last episode, it was kind of a preview for the, you know, his his second documentary. And we talked a little bit about his, his uh, CDT hike. And we really didn't get on the subject. Didn't We didn't get too much in depth. But when I watched his documentary... I mean, there was a significant portion of that documentary devoted to, uh, is it Cutie? Yeah, Cutie. Cutie. And we, and we lost him on the trail in 2022. Yeah. And he was, he was, uh, seemed to be in very good shape, strong guy. And, uh, he, they, someone just found him, uh, he had passed away in his tent. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, had lunch with him a few days before. Um, and then he went into Silverton. I did not, I chose to not go into Silverton. I chose to carry a little bit more food and just to continue to, God, I don't even remember what the next town was, but, but yeah, then they found him a day out of Silverton and yeah, it's just one of those things where, yeah, he was, I mean, he was way faster than me, <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a particularly slow hiker, but I'm also not the fastest. And he was up there with the fastest. He carried a really light pack and you know, just a really, really kind person. I, I feel blessed to have got to know him and, um, you know, share some laughs and, and some, some moments with him. And you just, you know, you just really never know, you know, like what happened. And um, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think we really get, get to know. And, and, um, you know, I, I was in touch with his family as was um, Tesla 
and um you know it's it's uh it's really sad and uh you know he, he died doing what we love you know yeah and and no real insight into what happened no i mean you never really know like you know i mean there's all things you can speculate but yeah we don't really really know yeah what a shame what a shame yeah but, yeah uh you know like you said d died doing what he loved out there uh with with uh in the midst of nature and uh the through hiking community which is a very positive and supportive group yeah yeah and um one of the you know the I guess a beautiful story that, that came out of that was there was a, a hiker who made these stickers and I said, hike in peace, cutie. And, um, she, you know, put them in hostels and posted them on signs, like all about the trail. And so we got to, to see those along the way. And then at the monument, um, you know, in Canada, there was one of those stickers and it, it, it felt, it felt like, okay, he, he finished the trail in, in a way, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, gets me a little emotional talking about it, you know, sure. hadn't really, sure. hadn't really, uh, yeah, but, but yeah. Okay. Now I know, I know, uh, Tesla tapped out before he got to the He's Canadian border yeah. and it, it really, yeah. I mean, it was perfect material for his documentary. I mean, I know he got a little bit of criticism after, you know, why do I hike the first one? Because everybody, some people said it was, it was too positive and you're not showing the, the reality and the hardships. <laughs> And so I don't know if he went out with a mindset that I'm going to show the hardships or if, if the CDT just really, really took it to him, but uh very appropriate trail for the, for the documentary. Yeah. And you know, I've Tesla's is, is a, is a tough, tough hiker The you know, in my opinion, just, you, you can't carry that much gear on the CDT, you know, that, that was the, the problem. It wasn't anything to do with, you know, his lack of strength or, or intelligence. It was just, Agreed. it's not the trail to carry that much documentary gear on. <laughs> yeah. And so he didn't get to see Wyoming and Montana. I don't think, I think he, he tapped out right at the Colorado Montana border. They I'm crossed sorry, the Colorado Wyoming border. Yeah. He crossed into Wyoming and then went home from encampment yeah. as far as I think. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Wyoming and Montana? Oh man, like if there was just one state to do in the CDT, it would be Wyoming because it's basically the whole CDT condensed into one state. You have the Great Basin, which is, you know, brutal desert. You have the Wind River Range, which is just incredible, you know, glaciers and grizzlies and snow covered peaks and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so it's definitely the most diverse state. And I really loved I love the towns in Wyoming. And um, one of my friends, Cross Creek, who I hugged with, she laughed at me a lot about this because you know the towns in Colorado were like you know rich ski towns with a lot of resources and anything you could want and like I didn't really like it I didn't I felt I was spending too much money and I didn't feel quite as comfortable but once we got to Wyoming it was like yeah ten dollar cheeseburger at the one bar in town like this is uh, this is my kind of town <laughs> like <laughs> I, I love the towns in Wyoming they're just down to earth you know nice now you mentioned grizzlies any any encounters of note yeah, I saw three. Um, uh, two of them I saw from quite a distance, and one of them, um, it, it looked at me, and then I, I had my uh, bear spray with a safety off, and he was probably 10 feet away from me, and he just looked at me and then just kept walking down the trail. <laughs> it was terrifying. I was terrified. Yeah. Holy smokes, 10 feet from a grizzly. 
and you yeah. live to tell about it. Yeah, he wasn't interested in me. No. Um, and I, I'll tell I'll tell the story since we're talking about bears. So the first night, well, one of the first nights in the Wind River Range, which is right when you're could be in grizzly country. It's not a whole lot, but I had it in my head. Okay, this is there's potential grizzlies. I you know I started carrying bear spray, um, but the mosquitoes were so bad. I camped by myself, and I did all the worst things you can do. Like I cooked ten feet from my tent. I intended to not eat in my tent, but the mosquitoes were so bad. I was like, fuck it. I got in my tent and I ate. And then the one thing I did right was I tied my ursac properly um, to a tree, but it was 10 feet from my tent. And I woke up in the middle of the night to this loud crash. And there was a bear trying to get my food. And um, because I, I didn't know if it was a black bear and it could have been a grizzly, I was just, abs I mean, absolutely terrified. And so I just, I sat there for maybe, 20 seconds really thought like what should I do and then I I blasted music from my phone and uh it went away but I had the bear spray you know under the tent you know ready to go and um yeah I thought I was gonna have to hike luckily it was only like I think it was 25 miles to town from there so I think I, I could have made it with no food if I had to but that would not have been a good day <laughs> That is absolutely terrifying. And did, did you think yeah. that the, the, the gig was up at that point? I I didn't, I wasn't worried that I was going to be, be injured or anything. Actually, that's not true. Like I, it could have been a grizzly. So I, I was terrified for sure. And I don't think I was thinking rationally, but the main thing I was concerned about was my food. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've heard, I've heard a few stories about grizzlies, uh, up in that neck of the woods from, from previous guests. Uh, one guy actually discharged his, his bear spray. He was trying to spray through the, the tent opening and Ooh. the wind flapped and, yeah. and it, he, it ended, he ended up hitting the, hitting the inside of the tent and yep. catching all the, the back spray, which was not a whole lot of fun for him. Uh, I guess that's, we, we talked about the, you know, the alpha way to do it is to, you know, spray the, 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 the bear spray at the bear. He did it the beta way. He sprayed himself with the bear spray to, you know, keep the bear away from, <laughs> right, away from right. him. Uh, another guy nice. was actually hunted by a grizzly hit. He, he ended up jumping like 40 feet off of a, a cornice uh, to get away from this uh, grizzly being tracked. Yeah. That's scary. Nuts. Nuts, but yeah, that, I guess a, a pro tip. I'm, I'm already stealing your thunder. You can't use this one. A pro tip would be not to eat in your tent or cook next to your tent when you're yeah. in the country, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and from then on, if if I camped alone from then on, um, I would cook and then hike, um, you know, half a mile or a mile for dinner. And even with when I was in a group, we we generally did that. We definitely got lazy a few nights, but that's definitely the best protocol in grizzly country is to not sleep where you eat for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, at least when you're with a group, it's almost like rolling the dice because, you know, it might not be you that gets eaten. I mean, there's, there's others to choose from, but if you're all alone, I mean, man, that's tough. I know. And I really like camping alone. It's, it's kind of special for me. And I like hiking in a group as well, but yeah, some of those nights alone are just, you just can't, you can't replicate that kind of, quiet and then also moments of just pure terror you know like i've camped alone a lot but there's still a moment when you know this typically as it's starting to get dark where i feel that terror and then you know and then it passes and i have a I sleep and i wake up but it, yeah still i have that you know <laughs> now shredder it's been quite a journey it's been 15 years since that uh 
since you were dropped off by a friend uh, in the middle of the woods and told to start walking, what what has Shredder learned about himself during this journey? Yeah, well, I've learned that I'm both stronger and more resourceful and more persistent than I thought that I was. And I'm also weaker and, you know, more dependent on others than I thought I was, you know, both total, both ends of the spectrum. You know, I think we're capable of great things, but we're only, our greatness is tempered and dependent upon our humility and our willingness to understand our own limitations as well. That's uh that's very poetic. It's like you're artistic. It's you have a, you have a great way with words. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. All right, here we are. We're going to publish something right now. We're going to put it out into the universe. What's next for Shredder? What's the next big adventure? So it's funny because I was talking um, talking to my lady, and I thought, I wonder if he's going to ask me what my next adventure is. And uh, I, I I thought about my answer, and and my answer is uh, I'm getting married this summer. You know. Huh? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And um, that honestly really does feel like the next adventure. You know, I don't have any long hikes planned. Um, I've got a lot of creative projects I'm working on, but the next real long-term adventure with the same kind of highs and lows and at times brutality that a through hike has is, um, you know, is probably getting married. And, and um, you know, I've, I've been with this, with this woman for you know, over three years, we've known each other for 10 years and she supported me when I was on the, the CDT and, and was just incredibly, you know, supportive and gracious and understanding of me being gone. And, and, um, that experience of me being gone and us going through that together is really what for both of us has made it, made us uh, ready to make that commitment. So that's, that's my next adventure, man. I'm getting married. <laughs> Congratulations. You know, I always say that uh, man is not complete until he's married. Once he's married, he's finished. <laughs> nice. Well, that may be so because I don't I don't have any through hikes planned anytime soon, but I know I will at some point. Actually, I do want to do the um uh the the Sierra High route at some point, um, which isn't really a trail, you just kind of navigate peak to peak. So I feel like in like eight to ten years, if it's possible, you know, I'll start to get the itch for something really wild again and it'll probably be something like that, but that, that'll only be like a month or so, you know, so. That's interesting. This is the third episode in a row where we have, we have delved into a little bit of the routes versus the trails, you know, trails very clearly defined, well-marked. There's never a doubt, unless there's a lot of snow, never a doubt. You, you know, you, you know, you're on the trail, but routes, the Sierra high route, uh, the Pyrenees high route, um, there are, it's a, it's a lot of wayfinding and navigation and picking a point in the, on, in the, on the horizon and saying, I need to be over there and finding your way there. And so I, I, I've, I've noticed that, you know, some of my, my last guests have really kind of evolved from really enjoying the trails to now really enjoying routes and that, that next level of adventure. Totally, man. And, and it's, I think the CDT is an, is a good jumping off point from that because, there's a lot of times where the trail isn't obvious and um, I actually carry paper maps on the CDT and every chance I got, I would try and find an alternate or go over some peak that, you know, um, is not on the trail. And I didn't do it as much as I would have wanted because I had to make certain miles. And, you know, so for me, yeah, the next big adventure will be more about 
just finding my own routes and, and not worrying so much about what other people are doing. And it, it's amazing too, how, you know, the technology has changed things and it's, it's a positive thing because it's made the trails much more accessible to people without, you know, necessarily a, a wilderness background, but you know, uh, it's, it, it's shocking the amount of through hikers who, who, who don't carry a map and compass, or maybe don't even know how to use those tools, which is, in my opinion, kind of dangerous and, and a little sad, you know, the, the apps are great. And like I said, they, you know, they make it accessible for people, which is a good thing, but you know, it's most people, it's like kind of Google maps, you know, and, and I use them too. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade. Like I definitely use the app to check, to check all the time and use all the tools. But um, I think there's something special about doing it old school with a map and a compass and, and kind of not knowing until you get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Well said. Well said. Hey, Shredder, you know where we are right now? Uh, probably towards the end of the podcast. You got some Pro tip insight of the week. There That's you go. right. You're on the hook. It's your turn to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? Sure. Um, so it's the it's the total cliche of hike your own hike, but I really think that we can't um we can't talk about that enough because part of the the community and the culture around through hiking you know, is a beautiful thing that, you know, we're all kind of attempting these same things and pushing ourselves. Um, and I think there can be a negative side to that where there's a lot of social pressure to push yourself maybe beyond your limits or something you're not comfortable with, or even continue when that's not what your dream is anymore. You know, um, to be honest, I really, really respect Tesla for getting off the trail. I think that there's a lot of people, um, including myself, who've wanted to get off the trail at times but because our egos are telling us to continue and because the cultural and the social pressure is there, we don't necessarily have the courage to admit that our dream is different. You know, um, for me, the dream did come back and I'm glad I finished the CDT and I, I, the, the joy did come back, you know, for the last month, but it was gone there for, for a while and I, and I continued. So I really think hiking your own hike is important. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean hiking your own PCT through hike or your own CDT through hike. It could mean, you going out for a weekend with your son or whatever that looks like for you or experiencing the wilderness and in, in whatever way is authentic for you is going to add meaning and value to your own life, not doing what you think you're supposed to do or what you think all the YouTube cool kids are, are, are doing, you know? So I think hiking your own hike, we can't, we can't emphasize that enough. It started off as a cliche, but you went much deeper. So well I done. I tried. I tried. Nicely done. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Shredder. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Shredder, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures, including your nuptials? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So everyone's invited to the wedding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, my website is benphantom.com and on all the social media platforms. I'm Ben Phantom Studios. So that's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. So yeah, if anyone's listening and wants to say, hey, I would love to connect. And yeah, thanks so right. much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. No TikTok yet, uh, Shredder? No, that's for the younger generation, man. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm not that hip. <laughs> and if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. 
Shredder, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, movie, documentary, something that's going to help keep our listeners connected to the trail during the off season. What do you have? Oh, man. Well, is it cheating to talk about Tesla's movie? Because that's no. Really... no, go right ahead. Yeah. So as we talked about a, a friend of mine and, and fellow through hiker, um, Nicola Horwath, whose trail name is Tesla, his movie is... Um, What's the official name? The the hardships of a through hike. Uh, why do I hike to hardships hike of a through hike? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that should be released soon. And it's it's his it's a fantastic movie. And um, I'm I'm in it for a few shots as well as a bunch of my friends. And well, right there, that's reason enough. <laughs> Tune in and see Phantom in action. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So that's my recommendation. Yeah, I can confirm. Excellent, excellent movie. Excellent documentary. It was it was really powerful. Definitely. What have we not asked you? And before you wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? Oh, man. What did we miss? I feel like we covered most of it, you know? Um, Was there some, some other story you were holding back? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I feel like uh, you've asked some really good questions and I've been, I've been honest with you and, and I've had a nice little chin wag is my best friends from, from Britain and he calls it chat a chin wag. So chin wag. a nice little chin wag. <laughs> I like that. You know, I was, I, I, I really love the American tradition of handing out trail names and I've embraced that with the podcast here because each episode I'm on the lookout for a trail name for the podcast okay for the the episode so something peculiar something funny something iconic that happens during the conversation and i think we may have i I was growing a little bit desperate at the end here oh yeah i'm thinking chin wagging chin wagging shredder i mean that might that might be the the trail name of the pot of the episode i like that chin wag yeah we've had it we've had a great old chin wag mate Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we have. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Muir Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Shredder? Oh, um, just all my all my people in uh in Asheville. And I guess I'll say hey to 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 Cutie's crew that we hike with on the CDT. That's Cross Creek and Dictionary. They're over over in Germany. And um and Fuego and Master Chef from the Czech Republic and my buddy Nicola and Peck and Lush. So yeah, Google, some, some good CDT people. Google's a trail name, not just a search engine. It is nice. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if a grizzly tore down your bear sack and ate all your food yesterday. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.